It would be like if we started a podcast and didn't introduce ourselves. Like what we're doing right now. Yeah, that would be weird. Would be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Red Dragon Sessions. My name is Yvette, and with me as always is Bob. Hello. How are you doing today, Bob? Very well, thank you. Is, are you ever doing bad, Bob? Sometimes, but you'd never know. <laughs> Actually, you would know, but I am fine. I'm good. Thank okay, you for asking. Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so today, folks, I'm just going to offer up at the start of this a a trigger warning we are going to talk about um a touchy subject that could um easily trigger you if you have ever experienced sexual assault or sexual abuse as a child it could it, it could be a triggering sort of discussion so be aware of that as we're going in uh i will tell you we're not going to go into incredibly graphic detail or anything like that but the Red Dragon Sessions are stories about my life and hopefully the things that happened to me. It will help people to deal with them or know that they're not alone. That's the whole point of doing them. And with all of the fun stories from the road and great uplifting stories about my family and their support, there are also times like this. It's important to know that they happen to people. It's important to know that you're not alone. It's important to know that you can get through to the other side of it. You can recover from it. You can heal from it. And you can thrive when you get to the other side of it. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm not really sure where exactly to begin. I think we'll start with where this person came into my life. So the, the person of subject was a boyfriend of my mother's. After my father died... And my mom got a CB radio in the car, which is really weird because we're like in this really old Buick station wagon from the 70s. And we would ride around in like a CB in the car. And she like, I know, right? It's a Brady Bunch. I'm sorry. They, they had one. They had a CB in their station wagon? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Or at least um, in the movie... They they did when they had Alice as the truck driver, like oh, character. Oh yeah, I, I may know the a little too much about that poss- movie. Possibly because you watched that a few hundred times. No, I've seen it like twice. That's why I can't actually remember. Oh, okay. But I just remembered that I feel like they they had one in <laughs> the wood paneled <laughs> station wagon. Well, I will have you know we we weren't so schmancy as to have the wood panel one. We just had the solid color blue one. Sweet powder blue it's the weirdest monstrosity you ever saw like a like sad dolphin going down the freeway anyway my mom got this cb radio and she would flirt with truck drivers whenever we were driving anywhere <laughs> like what was her handle I, I don't remember what her handle was very well could have been sassy mama <laughs> um breaker breaker <laughs> sassy mama breaker breaker what's your 20 <laughs> You know, hey, I I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I lived in my own little world. You know, I usually had my nose in a book 
or I had my headphones on. I was listening to music, you know, because on the eight track. The, on the A-Track. No, the car didn't have an A-Track. The car had cassette. Whoa. I know, right? We were going big time. Totes. Yeah. So, um, so we would, whenever we would drive anywhere or go anywhere, and the little town we lived in didn't have a whole lot going on. We didn't have like a big store. Like we didn't have a Walmart in our town, and you know, but we were right next to a freeway. So we were always on the freeway going from town to town wherever we were going. My mom would be on the CB radio. And for my mom, I, you know, that was like my mom's Tinder. <laughs> at the time. I know it sounds weird, but whatever. I mean, she didn't like use it just for that, but she would like pay attention out for like highway patrol or stuff like that. My mom had lead foot. My mom had a serious lead foot. She was a safe driver, but she was fast. You know, she could have, she could have done her own fast and furious movie. I'm pretty sure. Sassy mama hits the road. <laughs> fast and furious. <laughs> she would love that, actually. She actually still is kind of a fast driver, which is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, she's not, she's going to be 91 this year. Go, Mom. And, and she still drives herself around, and she makes it to places quicker than I think she probably should. More often than not. <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, at one point... Over the summer, in in the first year after my dad had died, uh, my mom met this guy. And you're eight? I was eight when my dad died. Yes. So my mom met Dwight somewhere around, you know, five or six months after my dad died. And Dwight was a truck driver. He wasn't, he wasn't like far, far distances. It was maybe like mid-range distances. He didn't go like completely across the country or things like that. And he lived in Springfield, Missouri. So we would go and uh, we would go down to his house and visit him in Springfield. And I will say out of the gate that I didn't like him. He always kind of like creeped me out. But I, I actually assumed that when, you know, when I first met him and stuff, I, you know, because my dad had died like six months previously. So like I didn't. You know, there was a piece of me that acknowledged that, dude, you know, you're not my dad kind of vibe to it. Like, I just didn't like him. I, I sort of was just like, meh. But he had this really great Cocker Spaniel. I love the Cocker Spaniel. So I would always go play with the dog. I can't remember the Cocker Spaniel's name, though. But anyway, and he lived on this, like, the end of this road. And so there was a lot of open area and open space to run around in and stuff like that, which was different. I mean, we had a big front yard and a big backyard at our house, but this was like even more space. And once I figured out how to get through the fence, I had acreage to roam, <laughs> which I did because <laughs> that's, you know, who I was. I, I I would wander anywhere. I had no fear. I would just like go off and I still do that. I still have no fear. I was still just like get in the car and just be like, you know, hey, hi, friends. I'm in the desert somewhere. I don't know. I just drove for like four hours. I'm somewhere. I'll come home tomorrow. Bye. See you later. You know. Would would the cocker spaniel come with you on an adventure? No, she wouldn't. Not allowed. Not allowed because there were there were actual wild beasties out mm. there. Mm. There were coyotes and wolves and stuff out there. Yeah. Wow. But you know, perfectly fine to let the eight year old go roaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
adult time. The logics, the logics of of adults, you know. The dogs got to stay in her kennel in the yard. You know, where if something were to come up close to the property and attack her, she would be trapped in the kennel. But the eight-year-old can go a wandering. <laughs> wow. You know. I knew all I did I did know to stay within like yelling distance of the house. So if I heard my mother Right. I could, you know, work my way back. Right. At my own pace, depending on what her yell sounded like. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, you know, you know that, hey, you vet. Like, and that's just pretty much okay, get back as soon as you can, you know. My mom had a whistle. Oh. She had a whistle. My mom couldn't whistle. I think I think all of our listeners know what that whistle sounds like. Or they know what the yelling mother sounds like, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One trip down there was deer hunting season. And I had never had venison before. And I really, I, I didn't want to try it. Like, I didn't want to try venison. But, you know, my mother had this uh, fantastical trick where she just told me it was chicken or something. <laughs> And I tried it or whatever. And I I ended up not liking it. You know, she was certain. She and Dwight were absolutely certain that I wouldn't know the difference and I would just eat it. But I absolutely did. And I spit it out and the dog ate it. Gross. Yeah. I did. I like <laughs> onto the ground outside. We were outside. Mm-hmm. I didn't spit okay. it on the kitchen floor. Okay. I spit it into the grass and the dog was like, the dog then just sat there and waited for me to spit more food out at her, which I did. Because my deal with my mom was to taste it. It wasn't to swallow it. Oh, semantics. I know, right? She regretted that. So I would take a big bite and I would chew it up and I would be like, nope, don't like it. And then the dog would just eat it. So now we're getting to the first time that I felt uncomfortable in that way. There was the grill where there was a piece of meat on there that um, still was like on the bone. A lot of the meat on the grill was on the bone. Something had happened where um, like a plate had fallen over, something had fallen off the grill. And I went to pick it up with my hand and I burned my finger on the bone. Mm-hmm. The one I, Cause I picked it up by the bone and I burned my finger pretty badly actually. Cause I was just like, I started to cry. And so I, you know, my mom took me in the bathroom running underwater and Dwight went and got a piece of aloe vera plant. So I went into the bedroom and sat down on my bed because I was just like, you know, my finger was throbbing because it was a pretty bad burn. So you're at your house? No, we're at his house. So you had a bed at his house? I had a room at his house. Mm. I had a room. And so I went and I sat down on the bed and I was just like looking at my finger. It was like poofy and it was starting to get a little blistery and everything. And he came and sat down on the bed next to me. And he put his arm around me and he like um, held my finger up and he put the aloe vera on it and he was rubbing my finger and everything. And I just felt uncomfortable. Like I tensed up and I was just like, I, first off, I don't like this man at all. And I don't like that his arms around me and I don't like, I just don't like this situation. And that was the first time that I had ever felt uncomfortable on that level around anybody, really. I mean, I had been around a lot of older people. I'd been around a lot of older men, you know, from my grandpa's band and stuff like that for a few years. So, but there was just something that was just like giving me a vibe. I was just really, really uncomfortable. And so I was just like, 
I just pretended everything was fine and my finger didn't hurt anymore. And I was like, okay, it's all better. And I just left the room, you know, because um, everything in me was like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Like you said earlier, run, don't walk. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I left the room and my finger did swell up pretty good. And my mom put a bandaid on it. And then a couple of days later, it was kind of fine. I mean, I had a blister and stuff, but it wasn't like bad enough to go to the hospital or anything. Now, um, had you gone home after this afternoon? Like, or were you staying there? We stayed there over the weekend. Okay. And then we would go home and I would go to school. Got it. We were getting into the fall. It was deer season. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. So then there was uh, another time. So Dwight was always sort of like pushing for me to do more, do more stuff like around the house. Not like do housework kind of stuff, but like... This time uh, we were, uh, he was chopping wood and when he wanted me to help chop wood, mm. all right? And I'm like eight, mm. okay, I'm a kid. So, uh, and I've never chopped wood before, but anyway. Axes are heavy. Axes yeah. are fucking heavy. So he's like out there deciding to, and I don't remember where my mom was, but he was out there um, splitting wood and he decided that I needed to learn how to split wood. Okay. Now, I, by no means was I a city kid and I knew how to do dishes and I did my fair share of dishes and I did, you know, I did chores. Like I wasn't a lazy kid. Like I did my part around the house. So we're out there and I decided that I, I didn't want to be out there alone with him, even if he was like doing this job, chopping wood or whatever. I, I began to my reaction to all of this was to begin to withdraw, right? And so I began to withdraw. I began to like just walk around with my headphones on or stick my nose into a book. I began to withdraw, really, really serious with, seriously withdraw every time that I was around him. And that led to me withdrawing when I was around other people and in other situations. So he puts the ax in my hand and he gets behind me and he's like swinging the ax with me. And then he's like, okay, go with it for by yourself and I decided to miss completely. And I did not really recognize the danger of completely missing the wood. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, cause I wasn't strong enough to have real control of the ax. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would just miss, you know, cause you have, there's like a log or tree stump mm -hmm. coming out of the ground and then you put the piece of wood you're gonna split on the tree stump. So my plan was to miss the piece of wood and hit the tree stump. And I figured if I do that enough times, he'll just take over again and I can withdraw, mm -hmm. right? So I go to miss the, miss the piece of wood on the stump and I missed it and the stump and I came down, literally cut my shoe, but managed to miss my big toe. Mm -hmm. Somehow did not cut off my toe, but I did slice my shoe. I believe it. And I was like, that's just like pure dramatic luck, pure total luck. I probably should have chopped my own foot off with that miss. And so I, I bolted because there was a couple of things that were like racing through my head. It was like, well, first of all, you already been school clothes shopping. You're not going to, you know, I, my thought was, I'm not going to get another pair of shoes. <laughs> like, I'm not going to get another pair of shoes for this later. Like, I'm growing like a weed and I hear about this every time I go to the store and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, fuck, I've ruined my shoes and fuck, like, 
you know, this dude creeped me out. Like, so I just, I ran and I hid in a closet for like an hour until wherever my mom was, she came to find me. I have a quick question. Yeah. When he was behind you doing the wood chopping, Mm -hmm. right? Was that just very uncomfortable to have him? Oh, yeah. Like, be that close to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because his whole body was against mine. Right, and this is not somebody you know or like particularly. This is this is not somebody I liked. I mean, we had been down there several times without incident, but I always just withdrew, mm-hmm. and my mom always just let that be. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my aunts bringing up to me the withdrawing, mm-hmm. which is very symptomatic. This kind of personality change is very symptomatic mm-hmm. of of um, sexual assault, sexual abuse, some type of something wrong, Mm -hmm. something very, very wrong. And I remember this discussion and I remember her blatantly asking me Mm. what, you know, was there something wrong? Was there something I wanted to talk about? Was there something that made me uncomfortable that made me want to just listen to the music more or made me want to read more books or made me, you know, just want to be by myself more? And I remember thinking, um, I remember thinking that my mom would get in trouble for some reason, even though my mom had done nothing wrong, really. I just remember feeling like somebody would get in trouble. Something would go sideways. And so I just, you know, was like shake my head no and stuff like that. And my aunt, who at the time was a school counselor, she did her best and she ended up asking me a leading the witness question of, are you really sad because your dad's gone? And I went with it as a kid. Mm. And so a lot of the symptoms that were occurring for me, the withdrawing, the isolation, the wanting to be alone, all of that kind of stuff, the personality changes got masked as grief Mm. to people who were on the outside looking in. Mm. And they saw it as like a delayed reaction to my dad's death. Because, you know, we're six to eight. We're getting into, you know, many months after he had died. So then the um, the major incident, the, the fulcrum of this, if you will, occurred in the spring. Close to my birthday, close to my ninth birthday. And we had been down there without incident without really any incident, you know, it was just sort of like weird, like mom would be like, you know, give your uncle Dwight a hug or whatever. And I wouldn't want to, but a lot of people make their kids do it anyway and kind of stuff. And it was just too close. It was too much. It was just, it just made me feel, Mm -hmm. but I did it anyway. And, you know, cause you know, your mom is standing there and all this kind of stuff. And also for a big chunk of that time, Dwight had a tenant in the house, who I actually really liked, who made me feel very safe and secure. And most of the time when we were down there, that dude was home. Mm. So I don't think that Dwight really felt like he could try something like he had eventually tried with that guy in the house. Mm. So, you know, there was, there was that blessing. Mm. But as we moved into the spring of 83, and maybe even like a little later into the summer. It wasn't summertime yet, but 
there was uh, this time where my mom kept expressing that she really wanted me to get along with him. She really had hoped that I would get along with him, that I would learn to like him because she really liked him. She had actually mentioned looking into me starting school the next fall in Springfield. So there was a lot of pressure on me, or I felt a lot of pressure on me, whether she was actually putting it or not, because I don't want to put words into her mouth or try to make her seem like a bad person. I felt, I ended up feeling a lot of pressure to try to get along with him, to try to open up, to try to see this person as like a father figure type of role. And and not 100% just from her, but from other people in my family too, who saw this as like a potential opportunity to have a male role model be that close to me every day in my life. I had decided to make this effort to try to get past what I thought at the time was wrong with me. Because so far, he hasn't done, I mean, he hasn't done anything that I could go tell somebody he had done wrong, except make me feel uncomfortable, right? Well, the thing with the axe, which mom chewed him out for, like, why would you let her swing the axe on her own? Stupid. He hadn't touched me in an inappropriate place yet. He hadn't asked me weird questions or anything. He just really, really made me uncomfortable. So we cut to, it was a Saturday morning and I had wanted pancakes. Dwight had decided that the little princess was gonna get pancakes. So they were in the kitchen cooking and he came out and he said, well, we do have pancake mix, but they're like ants have gotten into it. So we can't have pancakes, but it means your mom would need to go to the store. Would you be okay with that and to wait and have pancakes because after she goes to the store and comes back? And I was like, okay, fine. I'm trying to watch cartoons. It's Saturday morning in the 80s. The good shit was on on Saturday mornings. I was like, leave me alone. I got a thing, you know. Smurfs, man. Dude, my Bugs Bunny was on. We are the littles. The little, the littles, I love the littles. If only I could think of a PD Bugs Bunny song right now. Nope. <laughs> nope. Can't think of one. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nope. Mom went to go to the store and Dwight made this big deal about saying he was going to go lay down for a nap. So mom got in the car and left. And like I said, we lived pretty far out from town, not tremendous amount, but far enough. So then uh, Dwight went in and laid down for a nap. This is uncomfortable to talk about, so bear with me. I'm trying to talk about it without getting too emotional. And I'm also trying to talk about it where there's enough of it that makes sense, but I, we don't get too triggery mm. or we don't get too graphic. So does it make you mad or sad or both? Uh, it depends on the day. Right now it's making me a little sad, mm. you know, so. For, for your little Yvette self? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it makes me sad for my little Yvette self. It also makes me sad for my mom who, mm. who really didn't, have any inkling hmm. or we wouldn't have even been there of course it also makes me it also i also get mad mm -hmm. at my little yvette self about what happens yeah you get mad at my yeah oh That's i did i used to anyway i don't really get mad at her anymore but i used to because 
I think we all think of ourselves as stronger. We remember ourselves as stronger than we were. Or we remember ourselves as braver than we were. Or we remember ourselves differently than what we really were. Or we like to think that in a situation we would be a certain way or act a certain way. But you're a child. I mean, oh, I know. I know. I mean, I don't. I'm not like pissed at her, you <laughs> know, or anything. I don't want to like, you know, take her in the back and shake her or anything. <laughs> I'm not like angry at her, but it does make me a little. It makes me feel a little angry. I guess saying that it, I feel angry at my younger self isn't exactly right. I just I'm angry at the situation that that I didn't do something more extreme in the situation to protect myself. Well, but, you're as a child, you're not meant to protect yourself. So, well, that's right. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is the job of somebody else to protect you. So anybody taking advantage of that is, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. mean, it's not super not okay. Yeah, but it is it is an emotion that I sometimes remember, mm-hmm. and it's it's an emotion that happens mm-hmm. in this. You know, as you're healing, sure, it's going to happen. You have to figure out what to do with it yourself Mm -hmm. nobody can tell you what to do with it Mm -hmm. yeah but sometimes I still feel it and I have to work through it Mm -hmm. you know even though I've worked through a lot of this stuff and everything there's still moments where I have to work through it Mm -hmm. kind of working through it right now Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. so bear with me Mm y'all so he called me into the bedroom to lay down and take a nap with him while my mom was at the store which I felt really awkward about, but I've got it. I felt this pressure to make an effort to get to know this person. Mm. And I did not. And while I was made to feel uncomfortable, I still felt like that would be like, okay. Because I had done that. Like when my dad was home, I would lay on his bed and like sleep next to him and take a nap with him. So that was not something that I had not done before. You know what I mean? While I was laying on the bed is when um, the sexual assault occurred. I immediately recognized it for what it was as, I didn't recognize it as sexual assault, but I immediately recognized it as, oh, fuck no, dude. Hmm. This is not right. This is not good. This is not happening. You know, this isn't happening anymore. And I had the presence of mind to move quick enough out of the room, out of the situation, and locked myself into the bathroom and had a proper freak out. Not crying or anything, just a proper hands shaking like, oh my God, what just happened to me? Freak out. What, um, was he aggressive or mean or, uh, without talking about what happened, what what was his temperament? His temperament was to be very sweet mm-hmm. and very gentle and very kind mm-hmm. and very soft in his words. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any sort of um, anger or violent tendency to it. Mm-hmm. It was all very sweet words, sugary sweet sort of thing. Because I think he, I think he knew well enough that if it was something that was gonna be violent, where I would be crying or something like that. My mom wasn't going to be gone that fucking long, mm. you know? And there would have to be an explanation of, if you went down and lay down and take a nap and she was watching cartoons, why is she crying now? 
mm-hmm. or what what happened, you know? So it was all very presented as very sweet or very, you know, gentle terms. It was not presented as uh, aggressive or, or anything like that or angry or aggro, however you would want to word it. Mm-hmm. But while I was in the bathroom, um, I remembered something that he had said during the assault, which was, you have really, really pretty, pretty eyelashes. He kept staring into my eyes and talking about how pretty my eyelashes were. And I remember being in the bathroom feeling revolted and thinking, falsely thinking, that if I cut my eyelashes, it wouldn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So in the bathroom right then, mm-hmm. I got the scissors and I cut my eyelashes at age nine and put my glasses back on and waited until I knew I could hear my mom in the house before I unlocked the bathroom door and came out. I don't know why my mother didn't notice my eyelashes were cut. I will be honest with you. I kind of think I, I would like to think if I had a daughter, I would notice that, but she did not. And we had pancakes and the rest of the day was uneventful and we went home. How long did the the incident happen? Was it like a split second kind of like thing or? It was f- about 15 minutes. That's a while. It's a while, yeah. And it was a controlled, it was a him in control situation paced. Like it wasn't just one action. It was like, it was like a touching and then another touching after a minute, and then another touching. It's like he was testing the fences Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And eventually, eventually I was just like, okay, uh, dude, I'm out. Yeah. And that's when I locked myself in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got to a wrong geographical area, I'm assuming, or something that was totally not. Something, something, yeah. Well, he had gotten to that geographical area. Mm but not in the way that he did the last time. Mm. So, um, oh, and there was plenty of, don't tell your mom, your mom will be mad, she'll be mad at you and she'll be mad at me and you won't see the dog anymore and all this kind of stuff. A lot of that going on. Oh yeah, a lot of that language, a lot of that stuff. Even Even to the point of, if you tell her, they might take you away from her. Uh, from from yeah from your mom yeah yeah so he was planting the seeds of oh, having was, this yeah. be a regular this was this was all like this was about this was priming a victim this was all about priming a victim this was all about yeah for major major child rape this was all about you know this assault incident was all about prep. This was not going to be the end Mm -hmm. of the situation at all. I remember it was my school teacher the next day who noticed the eyelashes and was like, what it, what happened? What did, you know, what happened? What happened? And, um, and, and I had told her that I cut them 
And she was like, why would you cut? You have beautiful eyelashes. Why would you cut them? And I said, I just, um, I wanted to be ugly, is what I told her. I remember that they didn't talk to my mother about that right away. That's bizarre. They didn't, like, talk to her, like, exactly right away. I'm not exactly sure why. But I was also walking home from school. Like, we lived, when we were at our house, we lived, like, literally a block from school. So I walk to and from school on my own every day. So I think they might have thought when she comes in to pick her up, I'll see her, I'll talk to her about it or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. But they didn't actually like send me to the nurse or do anything like that. They also, I also had a very good third grade teacher who was very, very sensitive to the fact that the year before mm -hmm. I had lost my dad. Mm -hmm. And she, again, I think there was this misplaced mask. There was like this mask that it was grief mm -hmm. that was going on in the adults around me mm -hmm. that they saw it as, as this is like a delayed grieving process. This is a process. It's going to be hard for her. She was close to her dad and they didn't recognize the symptoms for the other thing that they could be, which was some type of assault, some type of abuse. And I don't blame them for it now. I mean, I did go through a phase where I was like, every adult around me should have known immediately what was going on and should have jumped in and been Superman and Captain Marvel and kicked every and kicked this dude's ass. Mm. Like, I did go through that. But the older I got, the more I understood that there was a situation that could present a mask. And as I got older and I started dealing with this assault and I also started dealing with my dad's death because I didn't really deal with that until... I was, I was in high school. I didn't really deal with those feelings and emotions at all. And from my dad's death, I'd kind of set them aside. And then this whole assault issue really made me set them, set them aside because psychologically I kind of had to deal with that. You know, there's only so, mu so much you can deal with at once as a kid. This next one's really hard because it took me a long time to get through this one. But um, this is still Dwight. This is still Dwight. Yeah. So your mom has been dating him now for like. Oh, yeah. Six or eight months or, or maybe even like getting. Well, she met him at about the six to eight month mark and they've been together about six to eight months, mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of time is passing. So you're nine now. I'm nine. Yeah. And. So we decide that we're going to go. Uh, so we end up going down to visit him again. Mm -hmm. My teacher has not brought up the eyelash thing again to my mom. So this is the immediate visit after the last one. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't, I'm not there. Okay. I'm not there. I don't want to go there. Okay. I'm going to cut this off before this, this second incident. Okay. Anybody who's doing that is sick. Mm -hmm. Okay. And mm -hmm. if your mom really wasn't aware that any of this is going on, you know, if she's a trusting person, if, you know, this just has never been her experience, how would she even remotely know? You know what I mean? So, right. Obviously, somebody who's doing the things that this guy was doing is, is not just sick mm -hmm. me mentally ill but also very manipulative i mean oh yeah you definitely know manipulative. not not just in his own 
actions to, you know, to fulfill whatever his, whatever doing that fulfills a, an adult. I mean, I can't wrap my head around it. Okay. But yeah, no, I've never been able to wrap my head around it. But that, that mind mm-hmm. also has absolutely no problem manipulating the people like mm-hmm. a girlfriend or, or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that's true. She obviously couldn't, couldn't have known and was fiercely protective of you. So it's like, if she had known, she probably would have been a Lorena Bobbitt thing. I mean. Oh, yeah. She probably would have. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it this would is have not. Been, there would have been blood. Yeah. I mean, so this this mm-hmm. guy was obviously a skilled abuser. And maybe. I don't believe for an instance that I was his first victim. Well, no, I've heard that sometimes. Because he knew what he was doing in the prep. Right. And I, I've heard that sometimes it was done to them. And so he knew mm-hmm. how to do it to other people. Like that was his his own experience. It's possible. With that. I don't know. I can tell you that uh, my mom mm-hmm. did move on to another relationship mm-hmm. that was closer to home. I did my best to make a fuss about changing schools. I did my best to make a fuss about or about not changing schools. I did my best to make a fuss about being far away from grandpa and the music industry that mm-hmm. I was a part of at that time. And he did as well. I, I made it very clear that I did not like him. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into any detail or whatsoever, but if anybody asked me if I liked him or if I liked being down there, I would always say, no, uh-uh, nada. Don't want to go back there, always. I mean, you guys... So it, it kind of, you know, my mother probably found herself in this very weird position where he was manipulating her to keep her in his life and her family and her daughter are saying okay she doesn't like it she doesn't want to change schools she doesn't want to do this you've you got to think about her first and ultimately my mom did think of me first and left she left that relationship ultimately solving the problem for me it was and and you know i know he was manipulative and controlling and all of those things. I know she was a scared widow who was scared of how how do I pay the bills, who was scared of, you know, how do I raise this child? She was a substitute teacher mm-hmm. raising a child with with a car payment and with bills and with her with her hoarding addiction, mm-hmm. which, you know, means more bills. I know she was scared of that. She and I have talked about that often about, you know, I have often asked her like why did we end up with my stepfather? As you guys should know, Dwight is not my stepfather. He did not end up being my stepfather. My stepfather was arguably, well, I wouldn't say worse because I think Dwight's behavior was way worse, but certainly he was a, a, an, also a master manipulator and control freak uh, and verbally abusive and even physically abusive to my mom at one point, but he was not a sexual abuser. He was not a sexual assaulter. My stepfather wasn't. If he had any saving grace about him at all in his existence, he was not a sexual abuser and definitely not of children the way that Dwight was. But everything else he could do wrong, he did. And we'll get to that stuff. Don't worry. But in terms of, you know, I've always felt very lucky in that my mom was fiercely protective of me to the point where she was like, okay, I'm going to look for another relationship because... You are, you know, whether it was because she was recognizing 
how adamant I was or she was listening to her own father tell her this is not, you know, she is not happy. Something is wrong. You can't change schools or whatever. Whomever she was listening to finally got through to her mm-hmm. and she ended the relationship with him. And it is true that she completely did not know. She completely was unaware. It was not until maybe about 10 years ago that I actually sat with her because about 10 years ago, I made a a point of trying to find Dwight in order to confront him because I needed to confront him because I needed to forgive myself. I needed to forgive little Yvette. And the best way I knew how to do that was to set him straight. Now there's statutes of limitations that have long since gone by. I had no intention of like trying to sue him or get money out of him or anything. I didn't give a shit about that. I didn't give a shit about his name appearing in the paper or my name being in the paper or anything. I just wanted to knock on his door and look him in the face and go, this is who I am. I fully remember every single solitary thing you did to me. I'm going to make sure that the women in your life know that you did that because I probably was not your first victim and I definitely probably wasn't your last victim. So the women in your life need to know what you did and they need to, and if there's anyone that you also abused, they need to know they weren't alone. They need to know they don't stand alone and they need to get help. And that's why I'm standing here in front of you right now. Not for you, but for any other victim you had. Did you find him? I did, and he was already dead. Damn it. I know. He was already deceased. And it it was a really difficult decision about whether or not to go and confront his family mm-hmm. or to talk to his family. And at the end of the day, I ended up sending an anonymous letter mm-hmm. to... Um, there was there was an obituary that had listed who his, his stepdaughter was. Mm-hmm. We had apparently had a stepdaughter. You also have to remember the ages of these people. I mean, my mom at the time was approaching 55. So this guy, he was, you know, Dwight was about 55 to 60 years old. So, you know, you've got to look at ages here. So, And you're nine. And I was nine. Yeah. I know. Can the creepy factor get any worse? No. I, I ended up sending an anonymous letter to the woman listed as his daughter in the, or his stepdaughter in the obituary. And I basically just said, look, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you this happened to me. Dwight was the person who did it. I am okay now, but if for some reason you are not okay, or another woman in your family is not okay, get some professional help, go talk to someone because you can get through it. You can recover from it if you haven't already. And I didn't want to, and I I said, the only reason I'm saying this is because I didn't want to leave you in the dark. And I don't know if she received it. I don't know if she read it. I don't know if they got help. I'd like to think that at least she would have read it and would have gotten help if she needed it. I don't know if he had another victim for sure, but odds are he did. And I just hope that they got the help they needed. And in terms of my mom, when I sat down and talked to her about it, she had no clue. It was very traumatic for her listening to it. No, that was not the only incident, but I really am not, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, people listening to this, 
I have told about as much as I can tell in one sitting. And I've gone about as far as I can push myself in talking about it without getting just way too lost right now. If there's, I don't really know how to put it. So I'm not gonna talk about the other insta instances in this sitting. How, how, how often did it happen? There were a total of uh, five or six incidents before your mom broke up before my mom broke up with him yeah yeah and they were all of the continuing preparatory nature mm -hmm. you know they were all of the assault nature anyway in talking to my mom it was very traumatic for her she didn't know i did not tell her about every incident i chose not to tell her about every incident i chose to tell her about a couple of them and there was a lot of crying, both her and me. She wanted to go find him that night. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, mom, I'm sorry, but he's he's dead. So, you know, there's nobody really to take revenge on. I'm like, if you want to go aggressively mow the lawn, we could do that. <laughs> or like, if you want to go, like, we could go, you know, shoot some bottles off the fence or something. Like, if you really feel like you need, like, take some aggression on something, I'm sure we can find something, cre you know, creative to do with this energy. But... You know, driving to Springfield in the middle of the night, we'd end up at a gravestone. And um, and I told her I forgave her. I said, you know, I really don't. I was like, you were clueless to this because I know you, Mom. I know that if you had known about the first incident when it happened, I know you would have clocked that bitch right upside the head and never would have seen or spoken to him again. If you had... If you had thought it would be coming at all, you never would have gone out with him. I know that, Mom. I trust that. I believe that. And I always have. Mm -hmm. Even when it was happening, I knew that. It was his manipulation and his lies that kept her from knowing. I said, but I'm forgiving you anyway because I know what you must be thinking and feeling and the grief that you're feeling and this emotion that you're feeling. And I just want you to know even though I've never thought it was your fault, there's plenty of room to forgive you. If that's what you need to hear and that's what you need to feel, then I've got it for you, you know? And it took, you know, it took a couple of days for her to sort of get back to normal and that. And there was a part of me that wasn't gonna tell her at all. When she was in her early 80s, living her life, had moved on. My stepfather had been dead for a while and, you know, she had moved on from a lot of, you know, trauma and, and hard things in her life. And I really felt like it was good for me to talk to her about it. I was felt like it was really good for her to know hmm. in case maybe she had wondered. And what if she did know? And that was one of the reasons maybe she had found out. And that's one of the reasons she had broken up with him or something like that. But I needed I needed closure somewhere and I wasn't going to get it from him. So I felt the best way to get full closure was to just have this really hard conversation with my mom and and let her know that there had always been love and trust between us, even though I had been going through that, that I knew she didn't know because I loved and trusted her. It actually made us stronger mm -hmm. as adults knowing each other. Definitely. So I just want to close with, I know that that this story has a has good closure and there's not really a happy ending, but a decent ending to my story in this. And not all of you have that at all. 
not all of you, some of you are living through it right now, listening to this, but you can reach out for help. We're going to have some um, numbers and some links in the description of this podcast where you can reach out for help if you need to reach out for help, whether whatever stage of this you are in, if it's occurring to you now, if it's something you're trying to get over, if it's something that happened in your past, you need closure, whatever it is, there's going to be some links in the description. And um, hopefully we're going to get to talk to some people who have some resources who you can reach out to for help. And I just hope, uh, that's what I hope for all of you, is that if you feel like you need help, if you feel like you're struggling with it, struggling with the emotion of it or dealing with it, that listening to this has helped you want to reach out and get support from your friends or your family or even anonymously. 